Hi, I'm Rob with Hypnotechs, and welcome to the Hypnotechs podcast. As you can probably tell, I'm still debating, can't decide whether I need some sort of fancy intro with music or not. Uh, the whole podcast thing is only a dozen episodes or so old at this point, some of which have not been published, but I'm still trying to figure out how it all works. And uh, it's funny how much conflicting information you get. You get people who say, absolutely, you've got to have cappers. You've got to have an opening and a closing, and they should have music, and ideally they should have someone else's voice introducing you. And other people say, no, it's the content that matters. Just dive right in. So I don't know. Uh, like I say, I'm just figuring it out, but uh, I would love to hear from you if you have an opinion on this or you think, you know, this would be a great idea for an intro or an outro. I, I want to hear that. So any case, uh, still undecided jury is still out. So let's see. Today, I'd like to talk about autonomous and voluntary body systems, and I'd like to talk about them in a context of hypnosis or what we conveniently call trance. And I, I do want to be clear, and I've mentioned this before, both in the blog as well as online, various different platforms, and even here in the podcast, um, I, I get it. There's people who want to have a whole conflict over whether trance exists or whether there's levels of trance or whether it's, and, and I'm not going there. For the moment, it's a convenient label. It's not this conversation. We're not, we're not going to have that one today. But it's a convenient label to describe that state that you can get into via hypnosis or meditation or prayer or chanting or tapping or there's uh, as many ways to get there. You can zone out and get there, but there's as many ways to get there. As uh, well, there's there's a ton of them. And and I don't want to get into that debate today, but I do want to call it out as this distinct state. And I think there's enough science to indicate that when someone is hypnotized, they go somewhere different from a mental standpoint. And so it's not sleep. It's not awake. It's not somewhere in between. It's something distinct. And there's enough EEG studies to indicate that that's the case. So I'm comfortable saying that there's this thing called trance, but going into how specific that is, I, you know, let's save that for another podcast. So autonomous and voluntary body systems. First off, definitions. Autonomous, self-governing, uh, basically things that happen by themselves. Voluntary, that's something that's driven by you. So how does this figure in? Well, what we want to talk about is, is, is the difference between them and what difference does trance make to the category that an activity falls in? And, and can things shift from that category? Now, this was funny because I had been planning to do this podcast for a while. This has been on my list and it's been something that I've been looking into and, and I have a fascination with it mainly because of things I've seen and even more things I've heard, some of which were perfectly legit and some of which are completely ridiculous. But this was on my list of podcasts to do. And then in this past week, the subject came up on both Facebook and Reddit and uh, I, I got a kick out of that, that suddenly people wanted to know about autonomous versus voluntary and what the difference was. And, hey, can you move the line on that? And so, hey, time to push this one to the top of the stack. So let's go there. Let's let's describe how about a voluntary activity. 
Well, how about clenching your fist? Right now, clench your fist. Okay, so you decided you were going to do that, and then you did it. Your muscles contracted, and you made a fist, and, and I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. And So that's a voluntary activity. It doesn't happen without your participation. But at the same time, this whole time that we've been talking, your toenails are growing. And if I tell you, stop the toenails from growing. Okay, well, I, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I've got serious doubts, but I'm pretty sure those toenails just kept growing and growing. And, and we don't have control over that. It's not something that we can think and decide that we're going to do. Excuse me, and make it happen. And so... Um, that's an autonomous activity. It's something that your body just does, and you don't have any real participation in that space. But what's interesting is that, so I discussed trance, and I discussed this state that we can get into, and I think hypnosis, and, and I'm, I, I know some people see this as heresy, and, and I get arguments every time I say it, but I'm happy to stand behind it. Hypnosis, meditation, even natural ability, prayer, chanting, tapping, so on. Um, these are things that get you into this, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, trance state, all right? And interesting things happen when we're in that trance state. We know that there are physical changes that happen, and we know that there are changes in consciousness. We know even now, I, I just read a study that was fascinating, talking about long-term or potentially permanent physical changes to the brain amongst those who meditate or participate in hypnosis long-term. And so we're still learning, we're still trying to figure out, but what's fascinating is there's a lot of claims about what this trance state can do for you physically. So let's talk about uh, the scale. And I, I kind of put the toenails at one end, something that I, I, I think it's reasonable to say that I, I don't know. I've never read any study. I'm not aware of anybody who has control over the growth of their toenails. Yeah, I know it's gross. I keep saying that. But there they are and there they grow. And I am um, not aware of anybody who has control over them. At the other end, obviously, like I say, voluntary muscle actions, closing your eyes, that's voluntary most of the time. It can also happen autonomously. If I, I toss something to you and you don't see it coming, you're going to blink. So uh, that one's a, but pretty much the other end of the scale. You can open and close your eyes at will as much as you want, unlike the toenails. So um, walking. Walking is voluntary, but it's sort of semi-autonomous as well. And the reason that I say that is so, for example, unless you're a sleepwalker, somnambulist, you're not going to get up and walk. Your body's not going to do it just all by itself. Now, sure, if somebody startles you, you may leap from your chair and run screaming across the room before you realize what's going on. And so we're going to disregard that and just say walking activities. So if you're going to walk out to the parking lot, I'm sitting here in the hypnotech's offices and I'm going to walk out to the parking lot, that's something I have to think about doing. I have to say, Let's make the body mobile. Let's migrate on out to that parking lot. Um, but what's interesting about it is that you don't think about how to do it. You don't think I'm going to pick up my right foot and I'm going to set it down and then I'm going to pick up my left foot and I'm going to set it down. And I have to remember not to pick up both feet at the same time because that's not walking. That's falling. And, 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 and 
I'll, I'll tell you flat out, we hypnotists are great fun at parties, but uh, if you ever have, want to have some fun with that and you want to experiment in this space, and, and, and I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are the experimenting type, um, next time you're walking along with somebody and, and you're talking and the, the conversation has nothing to do with walking, in other words, you may be aware of the direction that you're going, but you and the person you're walking with, you're, you're not thinking, pick up my foot, set it back down again. You're not thinking about it. It's just your body's just doing it as a locomotion. You've done it so much that you're just moving between point A and point B and your body's taking care of the, the activities. Take a look at the person you're walking with and kind of glance at them and make eye contact and then say, are you walking funny? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a terrible thing to do, but I guarantee you the funny part is that once their conscious mind takes over, they will start walking funny. Once you become conscious of your walk, it's a strange thing, but you really don't have as good a control as the autonomous system does. And so suddenly you'll see this sort of hitch in their step as they're trying to decide, am I walking funny? And simply by taking control of that activity, they do. So anyway, they're a little hypnotist joke. Have a little fun with the people around you. Are you walking funny? And, and sure enough, they will. But all right. So next, next up on the scale, breathing. It's autonomous, but again, you can take it over. I bet you breathe thousands of times a day. I don't know the actual figure. I'm throwing that out there, but uh, you breathe a whole bunch of times during the course of the day, but you can also hold your breath. You can interrupt the autonomous side of things. Sure. Everybody can do it, right? Hold your breath, skip our breath. You can breathe faster. You can breathe slower, but the vast majority of the time you hand control of that over to something else. And it just happens. If you walked around thinking about, I need to take my next breath all the time, um, probably not a good thing. I, I know there's, uh, if you're familiar with the polio epidemic early in the 20th century, and there were people who ended up in these machines called iron lungs, and they, they to be out of the machine, the machine helped them breathe. Um, to be out of the machine, they actually had to consciously breathe, and they did this thing called frog breathing, that, where you kind of gulped air and forced it down. And uh, It doesn't sound like much fun to me, but you can take over breathing. Now, let's go one more step up the scale, and this is where people go, okay, I get what you're saying. Heart rate. So maybe not directly. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Some people can, but most of us can't d control our heart rate. But I guarantee you that if you start thinking calm thoughts, you start thinking about some place that you'd like to be where it's very relaxing, your heart rate will go down. And then suddenly you start thinking about how uh, the taxes are due or the mortgage is coming due and you don't have the money to pay it your heart rate's going to go up. And sure, there's a complicated linkage there. But the fact of the matter is that you've just influenced that autonomous thing. Your heart beats even more than you breathe. And you really don't think about that. I'll bet it's been days since you thought about your heartbeat. But you can, and particularly with practice, you can influence that heart rate. You can speed it up and slow it down. A lot of things that you can do there. So right there, we're at this brink where most people kind of go, okay, I, I, I can probably pull that out without too much training. Next step up on that scale is body temperature. And this one is fascinating because some can, some can't. It's autonomous. It's supposed to be self-regulating, homeostasis. There's a whole bunch to it. But the whole idea is that your body knows what temperature it needs to be. And it sweats when it needs to cool down. And it 
speeds up the metabolism when it needs to warm up. And obviously there's ranges, you know, if it's 150 degrees below zero, your body's not going to be able to keep up. People get hypothermia and, and freeze. If it's 110 degrees in the shade and you insist upon playing volleyball, you're going to overheat. You just, there's not enough sweat in the world. But what's interesting is, is, is in between those, there's a range that where we're all comfortable at. And I can't control my body temperature within any any sort of reasonable, practical bounds. I, but funny is, tons of documented proof of people who can. So, monks and fakers, and by fakers, I don't mean somebody who's faking it. I mean a Indian holy man, primarily from the subcontinent or uh, of India, uh, but also that entire region. But fakers are... Uh, basically the equivalent of the monks that we would consider from uh, Tibetan Buddhist and, and other places. So I'm going to lump them together in one category because, again, we're not going to debate the terminology. But there's this thing in the monks of uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, culture called Tamo meditation. And, and Tamo meditation, Tamo literally translates into fierce woman. I, I don't know what that has to do with it, but, but fierce woman meditation, Tamil meditation. And there's a zillion studies, this proof of Tibetan Buddhist monks altering their body temperatures. Most of the studies are in the extremities. They take a look at fingers and toes, but there's incontrovertible proof that these people are able to sit and influence the body temperature. Uh, and there's almost as many studies about, uh, influencing the overall body temperature, but for some reason, the studies have chosen the extremities, I guess, because it's easier to read the temperature of the fingers than it is to stick a meat thermometer in somebody while they're, they're meditating. But, uh, funny story, uh, interesting story, uh, maybe neither, but, um, I was once at a Buddhist monastery and it was the middle of winter time, and it was below freezing outside, which isn't a normal thing here in Seattle, but it does happen. And it was below freezing, and there was an inch or a couple inches of snow on the ground. Um, it does happen. We, we get it, but it's not the, you know, not the snow like some places get. But we had a little bit of snow. And while we were there, they were doing some demonstrations for the public. And a group of the senior Buddhist monks came out. And they were bare from the waist up, so completely bare. They came out, they, they uh, uh, walked, med uh, there's a walking meditation, but they walked out while meditating, and they sat down in the snow. And then a bunch of their assistants came out and draped wet towels over their shoulders. So it's below freezing, they're sitting in the snow, they're bare from the waist up, and they're draping wet towels over their shoulders. And what was fascinating to me, and, and the impression has never left me, is sitting watching these, uh, they were all men, so gentlemen, and uh, after a few seconds, they started to steam, and the steam pushed off of the towels and uh, cotton towels and and uh they sat there and just steamed in the below freezing temperatures uh it was an overcast day it wasn't the sun drying these but they were managing to push up their body temperatures and they dried towels using body heat fascinating I, I literally the impression it was very formative for me the temperature uh, change that they went through and i didn't see one of them shiver in fact the guys who were hanging the towels on their shoulders uh, their assistants were shivering they were dressed in in well uh, 
a lot less clothing than I had on, but they were shivering. It was plainly cold out there, but the guy sitting on the ground in the snow, drying the towels, I didn't see a single shiver. And they proceeded, the towel would dry. And you know how a cotton towel, when you uh, don't dry it in the dryer with bounce, it gets kind of stiff. And so they would lift them off and they were dried to the point where they were semi-rigid. They no longer uh, flopped around like a wet towel. They held the shape of the monk's body. You could actually see the imprint of the spine and of the shoulders. So those guys plainly were altering their body temperature. Uh, to be entirely fair and to close the story out, I did try it. Nope, didn't work. I sat there and I shivered and I was headed for hypothermia. So um, can you get there? Sure. Yeah, absolutely can. So so now we've got this scale, all right? So what's next? You got the toenails at one end, you got the clenching the fist, the voluntary muscle activity at the other end. What about the immune system? All right, well, if you can move that line, if you can push it, is it inconceivable that perhaps you could convince your body to boost your immune system? It's a leap, I, I get it, but at the same point, you know, I've seen evidence of that as well. And there is documented evidence and, and everything from affirmations to thinking positively. There's a lot of sort of pop science around it. But if you look around WebMD and the Mayo Clinic, a couple of favorite sources of mine, uh, you can actually take a look. And there are articles about how people uh, even even and it's, it's funny because I'm certified in emergency hypnosis. And uh, the idea is that when you come across the scene of an accident or a disaster, what is said to the victims can actually affect their chances of recovery. And that's, again, another thing. You're welcome to look that up. In fact, we should probably do a podcast about that. But uh, the fact of the matter is that your state of mind can affect the way that your body heals. So could you boost your, your immune system? Yeah, I'm willing to grant that. But again, it's like the body temperature thing. Not everybody, not without training or assistance, but sure, it's absolutely possible. So the, the question is, where is that line? How far can you go towards the toenails? Are there other autonomous systems that you can change? And these are, it, it's not, and, and you guys know me, I'm a skeptic, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm more, and, and our, our, our governor aside, I'm more data and science oriented. And I like things that are documented and peer reviewed and proof. And the body temperature and the immune system, these things do. So I can't help but wonder where that hard line is. Can you go all the way to controlling the growth of your toenails? And I just don't know. And uh, I have my suspicions that there are probably limits for each one of us. But like I say, there's just not enough research in that space. But it is absolutely possible for you to have an effect on the autonomous and semi-autonomous parts of your body uh, and systems of your body. Uh, the question is where that line is. And my suspicion, again, is that it is partially all of us have some ability the question of where the line is some of us have much more ability naturally some of us can be trained into much more naturally so i suppose if you have a lot of natural ability and you have a lot of training could you possibly move that needle farther over so that uh, maybe you could control uh more nervous system activities. Maybe you could control things into advanced respiration. Maybe you could set some long-term triggers. Maybe you have the ability to control your metabolism. I just don't know, but it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, 
when you think about it, there really is a scale there. It's not a yes or no. This is autonomous and this is voluntary. It turns out that you can move that needle from one place to another. And like I say, my suspicion based upon the evidence is that to one degree or another, you can do that. So fascinating stuff. Body activities, autonomous and voluntary body systems. I, I absolutely fascinated by it. Would love to hear your thoughts either in the comments or reach out to me at Hypnotex. Uh, info at hypnotex.com is the best bet. And if you've got blog ideas, you've got something you'd like to hear here on the podcast, I would love for you to reach out. I'm Rob with Hypnotex, based out of here in Seattle, and uh, this is the Hypnotex blog. Once again, would love to hear from you, and thank you so much for joining me once again. <laughs>